Well, again, we, we continue. This is our third week on uh, the sixth chapter of John, which is, of course, the Bread of Life Discourse. And uh, I've asked all of you to, if you're visiting, uh, you wouldn't have heard this, but I've asked all of you to read the Gospel of John chapter 6 at least once during this month. And I'm not going to ask if you've done it, but you still have time to do it. I'd really like you to read the whole thing in context. Holy cow, read the Bible. It doesn't burn when you read it. The, you know, the Catholic Church put it together. It's our book, after all. We're the ones who, 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 who brought it to the, into the world. Okay, so read it, for goodness sakes. Um, dust it off. Read it. Um, okay, now, where are we at? Okay, you remember, we started with the feeding of the multitude. Jesus feeds with the, the loaves and the fish. He gets out of there because he's afraid they're going to make him king. So they follow him across the lake. They find him. Where'd you go? He says, you're only fathers last week. You're only following me because I fed you. Don't work for food that perishes. Work for food that endures to eternal life. And so they start to get curious about what, what in the world does that mean. And he starts to explain to them that he's not really talking about physical bread, right? And he moves them along bit by bit by bit. And he finally, at the end of the gospel last week, says, look, your ancestors ate man in the desert, yes, but I am the bread of life. I am the, I am the living bread of God. I am the bread of life come down from heaven. And that's where it leaves off. And so the, the point I want to make to you today, most of all, as we continue then for the subsequent weeks, the people who heard Jesus, did they understand what he said literally or figuratively? In other words, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, you know, when you say that, you could say that as in you know as though you're using figurative language like he's not actually a loaf of bread right that he's speaking in some sort of imagery or he must mean it in some way literally so how did the people receive what jesus is saying because as you follow through the rest of john 6 this is crucial to what jesus is saying and this is the departure for catholics and protestants because Protestants are going to say it's all figurative, all right? And they've got to do all kinds of theological gymnastics to get there. Because basically, Protestants interpret the scriptures literally until they run into John chapter 6. And all of a sudden, they get really figurative because they run into the real presence of Christ. And they know it, and they can't get out of it, right? And the Reformers knew it, and they couldn't get out of it. So they just had to change it, and that's what they did. So when we look at it, how did, how did the people receive it? Well, it's very clear. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Come down from heaven. So how did the Jews respond? Oh, you're, well, he means figuratively, right? That's not how they responded. We're told they murmured about Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven specifically because he said that. And just to prove the point even more, they said, wait a second, isn't this Jesus 
the son of jo Joseph? We know his father and mother. In other words, he didn't come down from heaven. He was born in earth, you know, he li he's lived an earthly life. He's not foreign to us. He didn't come from heaven. He came from a human mother and father. That's how they're thinking. So they understood what he said to be taken literally. All right. And, and the Lord Jesus heard them. All right. He heard what they were saying because, you know, they were obviously murmuring loudly. Murmur, murmur, murmur. All right. So they're murmuring. And so the, the Jesus said, and then they, they say, well, how can he say I've come down from heaven? And Jesus says, stop murmuring amongst yourselves. Right. And then he then he goes into this passage about no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draw him. What he's basically saying is unless you have faith in me, you're not going to get it. The teaching that I'm going to give you, unless you have faith, you're not going to get it because the departure here is radical. And so all of this murmuring is going to do you no good unless you believe that the father sent me. And it is, it is Jesus Christ, of course, who reveals, right, the plan of our Heavenly Father, because He is God. He is God's only Son. And so, you know, the, the passage in the middle, He's basically saying, look, if you want to understand where I'm going, you have to have faith. You have to have faith in me. And then you'll get it. But if you're just going to think of me as, as, a, as a human person, not sent by God, not as God's only Son, well, then it's not going to make sense. You have to have faith. And so it is to this day. How can we, how can we you know, receive the Holy Eucharist, the wafer and, and the, the wine? I'll tell you a story. I probably shouldn't tell you this. So I was in seminary uh, at a Benedictine monastery. I've told this story. And they made their own uh, bread and wine. It was horrible. It was so bad. The wine was, it was horrible. I mean, it was barely drinkable. And the, uh, the, the, the bread, they would freeze it and it would either come out half frozen or it would come out chewy. It was horrible. And so we would joke amongst ourselves and say it's easier to believe it's the real presence of Christ than that it's actually bread and wine. <laughs> or that it was bread and wine prior to the change. So it's, you know, it's to, for us to believe in the real presence, it takes faith in Christ. You know, it, it's, it's not enough just to say, well, the church teaches it. Okay, well, that's true. The church teaches it. Absolutely, the church teaches it. But it doesn't teach it in a vacuum as a mere exercise of authority. It teaches it because of the sacred scriptures, because the Lord Jesus clearly taught it to his disciples in more than one place. And the tradition of the church clearly taught it from the very beginning. We have it in a historical record. It's, it's clear. It's all there in many different sources that the church believed it since the beginning. So when Jesus says to, to the Jews here at the very beginning, you know, the very inception of the teaching, unless you believe in the one the Father sent, you're not going to get it. All right? That's where we have to start. So if you're struggling with your belief in the real presence that Jesus is truly present in the bread and the wine, right? That, that he becomes present, that that bread and wine is changed in a substantial way to become the, the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. If that's a struggle for you, number one, it's okay 
that it's a struggle. But number two, the way to get past the struggle is have faith in Jesus Christ. Because if Jesus Christ is Lord and God, why can't it happen? Right? If Jesus Christ is God, then why in the world couldn't it be exactly what he says it is? Why couldn't it be? If he died on the cross and forgave all of our sins for all of eternity, how could he not bring this about as well if we believe in Jesus? Okay, so then after he kind of gets through that, believe in me, believe in the one that the Father sent. Does he turn back and say, no, it's figurative. Okay, let me clear it up. Let me clarify. I don't want you to be confused. No, he doesn't do that. He circles right back and he says, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. There, there's no equivocation. I am the bread of life. And he even gets stronger. And we're going to see this in subsequent weeks. And then he says, look, your ancestors ate man in the desert and they died. So you're, a whole, you're, you're holding up this, this great event of Moses, you know, asking the father to bring man in the desert to feed, to feed the, you know, the, the Israelites wandering to, to have food on the journey. And that's a wonderful thing. But they died. They died in their sins, not just physically died. They died in their sins. They still died. But whoever eats this bread may eat it and will not die. And so he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And then here's the twist that gets even stronger. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Now again, is he being literal or is he being figurative? And if you read John 6, and we're going to talk about it next week and further, because the same thing is going to happen as it happened at the beginning. They're going to murmur some more. Because what they're going to say is, how can this man give us his very flesh to eat? I don't want to give away next week's homily. You got to go to church. And you, you know what the Lord's going to do. He's not going to back down. How can he give us his flesh to eat? Because he can. Because he is God. And he does it through a sacrament. Now, let me just circle back to the first reading very quickly. Because I want to ex explain why, or one reason why, that first reading is, is given to us in, in consort with this, this gospel. Elijah goes out to the desert and he says to God, basically, kill me. <laughs> Let me die now. Well, why did he say that? Well, Queen Jezebel is after him. Queen Jezebel is not a good woman. Queen Jezebel was trying to uh, pollute the Jewish faith because she followed the Baal religion. And so there were all these Baal priests and she had killed off all of the, the Jewish prophets and Elijah was the last one. And there was this fantastic scene in the Old Testament where Elijah kills all the, all the priests of Baal. It's a great scene, I'm not gonna tell you about it. But anyway, you can read it, it's in your Bible. It's at the beginning. Anyway, it's in Kings. So he kills all the priests of Baal. Jezebel's not happy, she's not happy. She's not a good woman. 
So she tells Elijah, I'm going to kill you. This very day, you're done. I'm going to kill you. So he runs into the desert. He's afraid for his life. And that's where we pick up today. And he says, God, you might as well take my life now. Just kill me now because I'm done for. You know, and he's out in the desert, so they're probably not going to follow him. He's out in the wilderness. And uh, he's making his way to, to Mount Horeb, ultimately. But to sustain him on his journey, God gives him bread and water to keep him going on his journey for 40 days and 40 nights to take him to Mount Horeb. The reason that the church is giving us that reading in connection with this gospel on the Eucharist is because we are like Elijah, just like we are like the Israelites wandering in the desert. We are in the desert. And yet we have times of joy, but we also have times of struggle and hardship. And the reason we have the Eucharist is the same reason God sent the man in the desert for the Israelites and the same reason he sent the bread and the water to Elijah in the desert. The reason he gives us the Eucharist is to sustain us now to give us strength now during this time of struggle and trial as we journey toward God. We journey to that time where we, we will be united with God for all of eternity, and it is the Eucharist that sustains us on that way. Please stand.